Welcome to San Diego Sessions. We're here in the studio today with pianist, keyboardist, and organist Bobby Cressy. San Diego Sessions, San Diego's jazz podcast, featuring local artists, new releases, and more. Here are your hosts, Ian Tordella and Ed Kornhauser. All right, welcome to San Diego Sessions. I'm your host, Ian Tordella, and I'll let my, my friends in studio introduce themselves. I'm here with my co-host, Sir Mr. Sir, the, Mr. My venerable colleague from the state of California. Sir, Mr. Dr. Esquire, Ed Kornhauser. And our special guest today, Bobby Cressy. All hey. right. Ed, you're none of those things. Dude. I, you're right. I'm not even qualified to be a sir. Yeah, no, you're not. Well, maybe maybe well, in the past. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Not, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely not in the royal context. Yeah, right. For sure, right. What about that time you were knighted by the Queen of England? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Me yeah. too, I forgot. How yeah. did that happen? <laughs> All right, I have, a, I have a few questions for Ed for the top of the show. This is our segment, This Versus That. Hit me. So, okay, first one up. Uh, Chet Baker or Chet Atkins? Chet Baker. Chet I always kind of like Chet Atkins, but I, I, love, I love Chet Baker. And I love the way he sounded in his older years when his voice went to, went to pot. <laughs> when he had no teeth, yeah. Yeah, when he had no teeth. But Chet, Mr. Guitar. His work as a producer, though, you know. Got to give respect to Chet Atkins. He's all, all right, I'll Ch- give you a pass on that one. Ch- is this Ch- a jazz podcast? <laughs> Chet Baker is also the only musician I know of to die of defenestration. <laughs> okay, here's one. Oscar Pettiford or Oscar Peterson? Oscar Peterson. I mean, he, I, I think I, I'm not alone in the fact that he was, you know, one of the few, first people that a lot of pianists listened to. He was like the first guy that caught my ear really as a pianist and went, whoa. You know, I've heard a lot since, but I, I, he's always like my happy place. These are easy ones today. Yeah, you're soft. I usually stump, stump him. Okay, here's here's a here's an interesting one. Bill Evans, the saxophone player, or Neil Evans from Soul Live. I like Neil Evans a lot. I love. I, yeah, he's he's rad. I think I'm gonna go with Neil Evans on this. All right. What That's do you think, th- Bobby? I 100% agree with everything he said. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm trying to hold my tongue. Like I'm not supposed to speak up here with, over Oscar Peterson. You know. We're keyboard players. What do you expect? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I know, I know. Those are softballs. All right, yes. I'll get better ones next time. <laughs> uh, so Bobby just put out a new record. It's called Cali Native, and it just came out on August 4th. But yeah, tell us a little bit about the record. It's obviously... Man. Uh, well, it's eight tracks. Um, the concept is kind of a uh, funky organ and horns. Like That's been my like byline as I describe it to people. Um, but in reality, it's like eight tunes that are like pretty different. Um tunes of like every style um i kind of wanted to write this is actually my first record as a leader i've been on lots of records as a sideman or whatever and i produced a lot of music like for commercial purposes but never for like uh my own jazz voice so for this i was like uh 
I want to kind of have a little bit for my first one, like a little bit of all the different things that represent, you know, who I am. So there's like, if you look at it, there's like 22 musicians on it. And, um, each tune has like horn sections of like five or six horns. And so I kind of, and I put different rhythm sections together. So I wanted to kind of basically play with all of like the, my favorite people. I mean, not all of them, but a bunch of them. Like, I wish I could have put more people on it, actually. But there's only so much I could do in two days, you know. But, yeah, it's like yeah. it's I'm playing organ on all the tunes. Um, there's piano on a couple, but, like, organ. If there's piano, then it's in addition to organ. So it kind of congealed around that concept. So I'm really, really happy with it. Yeah, so the organ rhythm, the organ rhythm section, you know, guitar, organ, and drums is definitely the centerpiece of the record. And then there's bass on a few tracks too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's bass on a couple, but right. It's it congealed around the concept of the organ. The way it it came together um, was around the studio um, that I recorded it in, the Lost Ark and PB. Um, they got in touch with me back in November of last year, and uh, Mike Butler, who's the engineer there, and he's the engineer on this record, and he said, "Hey, man, we got this rad new console." Would you like to trade like a couple hours of free studio time and I'll just get to like dial in this console, kick the tires on it? Like, yeah, totally. So, you know, free studio time at the Lost Ark. Well, what do they have there? It's an amazing studio. They have like all these killer isolation rooms. They have this really rad B3. So I'm like, okay, well, they have an organ there. So that kind of drove. I wrote a tune for my one free session, which happened back in December. Right. And, um, I was like, okay, I'll do an organ thing. So it, it congealed around that. I'm like, okay, I don't need a bass player. I'll play left-hand bass. It's, it's organ. Um, I got Zach Nager to play drums. I'm like, it's going to be a funky thing. And then part of it was like just who could I get literally like days before. So I, I wrote like a three-horn thing, you know, and I ended up um, tenor, trombone, and um, trumpet. And and then we went in there and recorded. And I was like, dude, this went like so well that um, that kind of got the wheels turning for the whole album so uh a couple of months later you know i decided i set a date for march two days in march um booked them out and it's like i'm gonna write eight tunes in this style using what i can do with that studio so that drove the direction and i'm, I'm really stoked with it because um you know i get basically for my first record i get to like hide behind all these amazing musicians that i having on it, you know <laughs> so it all came together really quickly then. It did. Yeah, yeah, relatively quickly. Pretty quick turnaround, yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah, well, let's get into it. Let's listen to the second track on this record. This is called Climbing the Tower. <laughs> Thank you. 
That was Climbing the Tower. That was an original by our guest Bobby Cressy. And that featured Michael Gein on the drums, Greg Merrill on the bass. And uh, it also featured, of course, Bobby on organ and our friend of the podcast, Gilbert Castellanos on the trumpet solo. Yeah, it, this uh, this whole record is kind of a veritable who's who of horn players in San Diego. You kind of you got every you got almost everybody. Um, who are the horn players on this besides besides Gilbert? Well, this is like uh, obviously it's climbing the tower, so it, it's not a big leap to realize that this tune is a Tower Power tribute, right? So I wanted to flex. Um, this whole album is about me kind of flexing my arranging chops. Like, can I arrange for? five and six horns I'm like yeah so uh this one was like one i really wanted to do i wanted to write a song for um with the tower power vibe which the tower and it ends up not being the exact tower power vibe like the tower power sound is actually two trumpets um two tenors and a berry and this is not that this is three trumpets um and then a bone and tenor berry so it's six horns um, and like, there's no bone in tower power. So it's like, I wrote a tower power tribute tune. And it ends up not even being like tower power orchestration, but it's similar. And actually tower <laughs> power in the studio, they do overdub like a bunch of stuff. So you're really hearing like sometimes 10 or 11 horns. Um, anyway, uh, so who's on this? So, uh, starting with lead who plays, uh, lead trumpet on all of this album is Sean Billings. Um, this killer trumpet player who lives in OC, um, he tours with Brian Setzer. Um, he's 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 killer, killer guy, uh, and he can play all those high notes and stay strong. On uh, second trumpet, we have Doug Musin, who's like also a super badass lead player. So it's basically we have like two kind of lead players, but this hard um, that some of this trumpet stuff is not easy. And then I have Gil playing trumpet, and he's playing third, so he can save his chops for that like amazing solo that he took. Um, and then I have uh, going down. I have Andy Guy playing trombone. And Andy, man, he's got like such a strong sound. Um, I just did a gig with him last night. As I don't know if you guys know much about Andy, but he um, he tours with Slightly Stupid, so he just came off the road. I did a gig with him last night, and I was like, oh my gosh, like that strong sound that he has, like there's nothing like it. Um, so it's kind of cool because so he kind of actually functions as like a fourth trumpet. So it's like you have you have three trumpets and then a bone. So it's yeah. almost like riding for like a four part super brassy. Yeah. Um, so he it plays, made it a lot of fun. He plays trumpet too, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he does actually. Yeah. And, um, yeah, for all kinds of things. Yeah. I, I always, whenever I see him, I yeah. always kind of doing that. I kind of do a double take for a second. I'm like, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. He does that. You know, not a ton of guys will like do that proficiently. Uh, and then, uh, we have Robert Dove on tenor and then we have, um, Adam Schroeder on Barry and Robert Dove played tenor on the whole record and Adam Schroeder played Barry on the whole record. And that Barry sound like it's a super important kind of sound like, and you'll hear it throughout the record. It's like lots of Barry, which I love that sound. Yeah. Um, and in tower power, it's like for sure all these signature cool things. They like kind of wrote the book on the cool, some of the cool stuff you can do with the baritone saxophone. Yeah, that's that's the horn players. And then the rhythm section um, is actually the rhythm section from my top 40 band, um, the Mighty Untouchables. And so we have and I I, I kind of wrote this tune with them in mind because um, Michael Gein is playing drums uh, and he's an incredible drummer. He's on this record in a couple places. I mean, he's kind of a 
man of multi kind of uses, right? He like plays uh, the hell out of the drums on this. Um, and the Garibaldi kind of like the busy, like Garibaldi intricate pattern thing is like right up his alley, like snare, like rudimental chops up the wazoo. He's like a drumline guy, but he also is like a master Latin percussionist. So on some of the other tracks, that's what he's doing. Uh, and then we have uh, Greg Merrill playing bass and Mark Fulton playing guitar. And that's like the mighty untouchables rhythm section. So it's tunes for them. And uh, it's for me. Nice. Yeah, and we were talking earlier, and Greg just sounds amazing on this bass line. But going back to what you were saying about the horns, um, me listening to this as an engineer, the balance of this record is so great, and you're right on with what you're saying. Most people don't realize that in a horn section, the the berry, if you have a berry, it's just as important as the lead horn. It's this balance. Just like on a pop record, there has to be a balance between the lead vocal and the kick drum and, and the bass player. Um, in a horn section, there has to be that balance between the berry sax leading from the bottom and then uh, the trumpet and the lead line. And then the rhythm, the organ and the bass sound amazing. The engineering on it is great. Um, there is no way. Yeah, I mean, when I, when I put this on, the first thing I noticed was the berry sound. I, I said, oh, man, who's playing berry? And, of course, I know, I know Adam. Yeah, uh, Adam's name is like not every San Diego knows Adam. And a lot of people have been like, I've, Adam's playing on this record really turns heads. And like in hindsight, I'm like, dude, I wish I'd had him take more solos. He only has a couple solos on the record. Um, but um, he's got such an amazing quirky voice, like with his, it's, it's a masterful, interesting voice uh, on, on Barry, but he's also just a ridiculous reader, session player, super strong, strident sound, which suited me obviously you'd always you'd always maybe want that but um you know for this type of stuff both reading it and being able to project like he's the man but yeah he lives he lives he's uh well actually lives in vegas now but i met him in la i was working at a music store with him um 10 15 years ago and that's how we crossed paths and so Hmm. he's seen me at like my early years for sure i mean he's always sounded great but not me (laughs) so yeah i was so glad that he could be a part of this and also, he worked with Anthony Wilson's Nonette, or has quite a few times, which is a, a great project. Um, but he he can play Barry like a tenor. He has that upper register yeah. extension. That's like a good he way can play it. it in the range of a tenor. Yeah, he can. He, he's got the facility, and, and he's got the range, yeah. Um, and he also plays with, um, when Gil did the big band at the Jacobs, he played Barry for that, and he subs in uh, Clayton Hamilton. So, I mean, he's everywhere, but, you know. Maybe, and, and also, I know him from... Uh, he and I used to, when we both lived in L.A., we used to drive down, and he would do Gil's jam session in the mid-2000s at the Onyx Room. Oh, wow. He was in the house band. And I would drive with him and just sit and watch and be, like, amazed and sad watching Kevin Canner and Harish, and it was Mekon at that point, and just, like, murder it, and Adam, too. And I was his ride home, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a great session. I was around at a lot of those at that time. Yeah. Yeah. I just missed it just slightly. <laughs> I think I couldn't uh, couldn't quite go at the time. Oh, oh yeah, tonics. Yeah, yeah. I, I turned twenty one, and then I think it moved like right after that. So I think I'm thinking oh five. So I must have been twenty three or four. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I remember sitting in and just getting just destroyed. And they called. They were kind of like it was different than it is now. Like they were kind of they were a little more like cutthroat. Mm-hmm. So I think they called evidence, and I'm like, I don't know evidence. Mm-hmm. And then they were just doing the hits, you know. Right. Yeah, on yeah, a, yeah. I'm like, okay, forget this. Like, it's like, okay, whatever. 
Yeah, the vibe at that jam session was a lot different than it is yes. is now, where it's more inclusive yes. with all the kids. There yeah. it was more higher, faster, yeah. louder. But uh, you know, the, which was great. It the, was a fu- super fun session. The flip side of it is, like, for sure, I went home and like learned evidence. You know, so right. Yeah. It's nice to be embarrassed every once. In a while. We need a little bit of that. No, I mean that's that's why I, I go to those sessions a lot, just to kind of like check myself and like, it's it's good. It's good. It's a good. Uh, it's a good check and balance. Um, so. You, like we we said before, you got a lot of different people for this record. What what went into your choices of of um, who would go on which track? So I kind of wrote tunes as I went. I was writing tunes for like different rhythm sections. I've always had this dream. Like man, I play with at, at my age. I'm like thirty. Well, I just turned thirty six two days ago. But uh, at this age, it's kind of a unique age because um, I, I I think of it as like kind of a golden age. It's like I'm young enough to relate to like the youngest musicians on the scene right now. So I've got like Paul Castelluzzo, like the murderous 22-year-old guitar player. I don't know if he's 22 now, 23 maybe on here. But then I also know all the old guys in town, older. It sounds disparaging, but no, it's not. Like the TMU guys, those are all about 10 years older than me, you know? So, uh, and guys like that. So I have this, I've been playing with both sets of people. I'm like, man, this guy would sound really good with these, this guy. And they, and they would never normally cross paths. So I've had this dream of like kind of uniting people on here. So um, there's a really good example of this, which I think we'll listen to the tune later. Um, Mui Shreddings, which is this fusion tune. I was like, man, this destroyingly amazing guitar player that not a lot of people in San Diego, young people know. And people in the jazz scene don't know him. His name's Jeff Snyder. Um, because, but he sounds just like Steve Lukather. I don't know if you know who Steve Lukather is. He's a guitar player for Toto, hmm. the, the incredible like session LA sound of you know the '80s. Um, and he can just play like anything. But uh, he he kind of he's in San Diego and he like does his thing. But he never crosses paths with like people from the straight ahead scene or or even like Kevin Freebie and and Tim Fig, who are the rhythm section on that tune. Um, they're like a fusion kind of sound so i want to kind of write a fusion tune for those guys to throw down and then jeff and i'm like jeff like is going to be able to meet these people and so and i knew it would be amazing and uh i wrote a tune specifically for that to answer your your question i'm like i'm going to write a tune to unite these this person and these people that's cool yeah and and i did that over like the course of you know seven different tunes they all have different like purposes and like i could spend all day talking about how each one like like there's the tune at the end watermelon samples that's what the name watermelon samples it's watermelon man and uh joe sample Sample, so yeah Yeah. so it's a combination of a jazz crusaders tune and like a headhunters tune cool which is exactly what it sounds like so you know that was all about you know okay i want to feature andy um for the jazz crusaders vibe you know and then you know robert so uh every tune has a story like that and that's how i selected people you know i wanted to have a latin jazz tune with michael Keane and like um omar was based on that doesn't he He doesn't he does my left hand does yeah that was another thing i wanted to do i'm like i've never heard like somebody play like tumbao like really on organ i'm like why not you know and it's a cha-cha it's not like a slamming thing but that was like an experiment i wanted to do and yeah, we did. I, I did like the Montudo. Yeah. The Montudo on the organ was really cool. Yeah, it's and like you don't a, hear that much either. No, you it's know? always that sort of bright piano at, right. with the attack. Joey, yeah. there's an amazing Poncho record with Joey on it, and it sounds incredible. My wow. gosh, the arrange. As I wrote this tune, I'm like shedding like Poncho and listening to Poncho. I'm like, gosh, the engineering. These these records sound so good. Um, but uh, yeah, there's this there's this record where Joey plays organ, but he doesn't really play Montunos on it. He just kind of puts his sauce over it, and mm. there's a piano player as well. 
Um, but you know, each tune had like a inspiration for that. Like the, the third track is a reggae tune and I wanted to bring together Omar who I've never played reggae with, but I know he's obviously a master. He tours with the whalers. Um, I want to bring together Omar and then I, my yeah. friend Corey, uh, Corey Kingston Horn, who plays drums and he's in San Diego, but I go way, way back with him. I play in another project with him called Western Standard Time. And we've been playing like ska and jazz together since like I was 19 years old. So I knew that they would be like a match made in heaven. And like it sounded sounded great. So it's about bringing people together. It's like yeah, that's like all star kind of vibe, you know, that's really cool that you that you you really set the intention for the minute you're your pencil or your pen touched the paper to like, okay, this is what I want to sound like. I'm writing for, for these people and for this purpose, not just I'm writing a tune and then I'll, I'll figure out who's going to play it and how to, how to make it work after that. You're like building everything from the ground up, like a great foundation. That's yep. really cool. That yeah. helps, helps the record have a nice cohesive and very solid together vibe. And it makes it easier. You know, mm. it's like, we don't always get the luxury of being able to do whatever we want. Like from a standpoint like that, but when it's your record, you can, you know? Yeah. So, uh, right. yeah, I, it was really fun just picturing people. And the downside is I didn't get to, like, I ran out of time and, like, it ended up being, like, two days, like, four tunes a day. And I was like, the, I can't really do more. Like, just nailing down everyone's schedule oh, for yeah. these 22 different musicians to come in at these different times. Like, right. that alone was, like, a Herculean but doable <laughs> task. That's, that's, but then, like, that's yeah. yeah. Serious herding cats moments. Yeah, yeah, but it went super well. Like, I made a spreadsheet that was, like... uh it was all blocked off with like, okay, these guys are coming in from this time and this time. And then this guy's going to have to go away, but he's going to have to come back for this tune because mm-hmm. this guy's only available this day. This guy's only available this time. And I was able to like make it all work, but it's like, wow. Yeah. But the downside is I didn't get to get everybody I wanted on it. Like I would have loved to have like Matt Smith play drums on a tune. Yeah. Um, Ian, like I would have loved to have you on it. I even thought about having like, like two or three keyboards, you know? Yeah. But there's only so much I was able to do. You yeah, right. So, but the good news is you can just, you can do another one, you know? Yeah. Well, I think it came off great. And I was going to, usually when people put together a record and there's different personnel on different tracks and different styles, honestly, usually I don't like that at all because it usually does not work. And the the thing I love about this record, and it's it's some of your vision and it's also the engineering and the playing of these guys, is it, it is incredibly cohesive. It doesn't sound like, oh, it's a variety record or something. It's It, it is one artistic statement uh and that's that's what i love about what you did here it, it does have a concept it's not like oh we're gonna play a death metal tune and then we're gonna play uh days of wine and roses right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but oh. from track to track it sounds it sounds great you know it's it's one musical journey through these different neighborhoods of reggae and uh and death metal. No, they, no. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> that's yeah. false advertising. Yeah, that, that, that's that's a secret track. Got to wait for the death metal one. Um, well, thank you for saying that. Um, there was, of course, the potential that it wouldn't come off and it would be totally disjointed. But I think it, there is a kind of unified sound that comes out, and there's a couple reasons for that. One, it's the same musicians. Like, well, I mean, like I talked about how they're slightly different, but it's uh, pretty much the same horn section um, and, and orchestration, like five or six horns, uh, and then. Um, Two, it was recorded uh, like in the same two days yeah. through the same um, you know console and everything you know so it's you know if you're recording one tune six months later I think that there are certain jazz records that where they're even kind of just playing straight ahead where it, it can sound more disjointed because it's like yeah. oh dude they recorded this one at this studio and then these three were like you know a year after right like, whoa you know the piano sounds really different the yeah. room sounds different yeah yeah so you know that helped it be cohesive 
Right. Okay, well, let's check out one of the more straight-ahead tunes on this record. The first track is called Master of Whispers, but Bobby, what was the inspiration behind this one? Uh, this tune, it, I wanted to write a tune for Jake Nager to play drums on. Um, we've been playing organ music for the past couple of years in town, and, like, you know, you guys have all probably played with Jake. Like, there's nobody like him for just, like, that heavy groove. Like, it's amazing. Um He's so solid, and it's so fun playing it, this kind of music. So this tune is actually, it's kind of like, uh, there's a tune by Lonnie Smith called um, Play It Back, and it's kind of got the same groove. So I started with that groove, and then I wrote, I used different chords, and I kind of went from there. Um, so that was the inspiration behind it. It's like, you know, like, let's get Jake on a tune. And uh, yeah, the same thing. I've got like five horns on here. Um, and I also did want to have something with a little bit more of an interesting chord progression. Not that the other ones aren't, but like you said, this is a little more straight ahead. So I wanted to give guys a chance to stretch out over some like kind of cool changes. All right. Well, here's Master of Whispers. You can you can pick up the record at bobbycressy.com. And this tune is going to feature Gilbert Castellanos on trumpet solo. Uh, guitarist Paul Castelluzzo, and you'll hear Bobby Cressy on the organ.
This is San Diego Sessions, your inside perspective on the SD jazz scene. Hi, I'm saxophonist Nick Caldwell, and here is your jazz forecast for August 27th through September 3rd. Sunday, August 27th, tonight. Tim Felton and crew host their monthly funk jam at Panama 66 in Balboa Park from 6 to 8 p.m. with house amps, percussion, a drum set, a keyboard, and real Hammond B3 to boot. Check out Sundays in the Park on Facebook to see a song list and sign up. Guitarist and vocalist Steph Johnson and bassist Rob Thorson play some modern funky jazz jams at the Turf Supper Club from 8 to 11 p.m. No cover, 21 plus. Monday, August 28th. Louis Valenzuela hosts his regular Monday night jam session at Rosie O'Grady's in Normal Heights from 9 p.m. to midnight. Come sit in or just relax and enjoy. No cover, 21 and up. Wednesday, August 30th. Trumpeter Gilbert Castellanos hosts his regular Wednesday night jam session at Panama 66, a mainstay in San Diego for decades. Listen to the best jazz San Diego has to offer right in the middle of Balboa Park. Music from 8.30 to 11.30 p.m. Drop by early to see the next generation of jazz musicians. The Young Lions play from 6 to 8 p.m., featuring up-and-coming musicians from around the city. No cover in all ages. Families and even pets welcome. Thursday, August 31st. The Gilbert Castellanos Trio plays for the Sunset Poolside Jazz Series at the Westgate Hotel downtown. Music from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. No cover and a $20 food and drink minimum. Vocalist Whitney Shea plays at the U.S. Grant in the Grant Grill, featuring pianist Ed Kornhauser and bassist Jody Hill. Jazz and blues from 8 to 11 p.m. All ages welcome. Friday, September 1st. Young San Diego guitarist Serena Giroux will perform with Jason Picker on piano and Rob Thorson on bass at the Handlery Hotel in Hotel Circle from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. No cover, all ages welcome, and parking is validated. The Friday Happy Hour is a regular series put on by Holly Hoffman, so stay tuned for more great jazz. Also Friday, vocalist Whitney Shea and pianist Ed Kornhauser play duo at the Harbor Island Sheridan. Jazz and blues musings from 5.30 to 9 p.m. Pianist Irving Flores brings his Latin jazz quintet to Dizzy's at 8 p.m., featuring bassist Antar Martin and drummer Fernando Gomez, in addition to vocalist Maria Rosa and Alex Mora. All ages welcome. $15 cover. Gilbert Castellanos presents Jazz at the Westgate, an intimate series in the Plaza Bar at the beautiful Westgate Hotel. Music from 8 to 11 p.m., all ages welcome. Saturday, September 2nd. Vocalist Allison Adams Tucker presents Cannibal Adderley Duets, featuring saxophonist Christopher Holliday, trumpeter Curtis Taylor, bassist Dean Hewlett, and pianist Ed Kornhauser. Music from 8 to 11 p.m., all ages welcome. Sunday, September 3rd. The Whitney Shea Quartet plays on the patio at the Bernardo Winery in Rancho Bernardo, playing some high-energy jazz and blues from 2 to 5 p.m. Dancers welcome. No cover in all ages. Vocalist Leonard Patton and pianist Ed Kornhauser play their monthly first Sunday engagement at the Turf Supper Club in Golden Hill from 8 to 11 p.m. No cover, 21+. plus. You're listening to San Diego Sessions, San Diego's number one jazz podcast. Subscribe on iTunes or listen online at DirtyBoulevardRecording.com. All right, we're back on San Diego Sessions, San Diego's jazz podcast. I'm here with Ed Kornhauser and our special guest, Bobby Cressy. And I think Ed has our segment, our regular segment, the San Diego 7. 
Yes, these are seven questions. Answer them uh, from the top of your head and the bottom of your heart as they go. <laughs> As they, as you go. Okay. And some of them are music related. Some of them are not so music related. Oh man, this yeah, is exciting. Okay, so uh, uh, number one, uh, you know, chill one. What do you have for breakfast this morning? I had uh, two scrambled eggs and three of those little pork sausages from Sprouts, and a big thing of mango tea. Um, the Trader Joe sells a banging mango tea. It's cheap. It's good. Got my caffeine, so I'm ready to go here. Nice. He really is a Cali native. He just he just dropped Sprouts and Trader Joe's yeah. name totally. drop. Yeah. Call, he called them out. No joke. You are a California native for sure. Yeah. Um, what's uh, I should say you in one one of your other main gigs is you're the organist for the San Diego Padres, and uh, wanted to ask you what's the strangest request you've gotten while playing organ at Petco Park. Oh man, strangest. I wish you'd asked me this beforehand because there's there's strange ones. I could tell you obnoxious, but strange. I'm sure I've gotten strange ones, but at the top of my head, I don't know. But people are so obnoxious sometimes, man. Oh, man. I love that gig and I love talking to people, but some people think they're so hilarious. Um, so maybe like like I get smoke on the water a lot and Inagata Davida a lot. Hmm. Actually, the most obnoxious is when they just go like, "Can you play glank 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 glank?" Like, and they're trying to they're telling me to like play a charge or something. I'm like, yeah, I can, but. The way you just saying it to me, oh. and the entitlement of you asking like, Let's "Play now!" Oh, or they're yeah. filming and I'm not playing, and they're like, "Why aren't you playing, uh, dude?" It's, a game <laughs> it's not an or you know, it's not my show. It's yeah. not an organ concert where there's a baseball game broke out. Right, you know? right, exactly. <laughs> there, well said. Yeah. All right. Uh, three, and this is a, a little bit selfish based. What's your Overall favorite draw bar setting. I thought you were going to ask favorite egg corn house or lick. No, uh, <laughs> that would be. Very I could tell self, you. Very um, I could tell you. Yeah, very self-serving. Um, uh, draw bar setting. Um, Overall, like comping or, or soloing or whatever. Well, I mean, I have to go with the Jimmy Smith, like the the bottom three out, and then you know third percussion. Um, that's like the most iconic and serviceable. Yeah. So favorite to pick for that one, but then it's 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 not a cool answer because there's a lot of interesting ones, you know. But that's the one that for sure, you know, I love. But I also like when, the other one that's like cool that I really like is the Shirley Scott kind of setting, which is second percussion, and then you push the second draw bar in, um, but you have the bottom one out, and then you have the third one out, and you have a kind of mix of high harmonics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I use that like there's this tune that I play with Gil um, called the Funky Fox, and like that's the setting on that, and that's a really interesting and cool sound, and it, it still works great. It, it projects and all that stuff, but it's got a totally different character. So Dig it. there you go. Nice. Uh, uh, number four. I've been dying to ask someone this for a while. Would you rather have hands for feet or feet for hands? Um, <laughs> hands. Thing. Dude, I think hands for feet. Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that's actually kind of an easy one. Yeah. Who wants feet for? I mean, you could play piano. It'd be point. rad for walking around, but that's well, think about how it. fast you could run if yeah, you I had know. feet for hands. That's yeah. true. But playing an instrument, yeah, for sure. For for piano, you know, like forehand literature, I'd be able to do it all myself. Right. Think about the bass lines. Yeah. Oh, that's yes. True. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is a no-brainer. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I kind of think so, too. Yeah. Um, but I've been dying to ask. Boy, these question. questions are just deteriorating yeah. week by week. Oh, yeah. wait. Oh, wait. Yeah. Here we, uh, here we go. Oh, it gets better. Who do you think would win in a fight between King Hippo and M. Bison? M. Bison. 
Oh, dude, that really? Was, that was very. That was that was a very from the heart answer, dude. And by uh, King Hippo sucks. <laughs> Anybody you punch him in the stomach, and you all you have to do is watch for when his mouth to open, and then you punch his mouth, and then you punch his belly button with with tape on it. And then you just get him down, and then he can't get back up once you knock him down. And Bison is bad A. He just torpedo him once. It's really you, you need to try a little yeah. better than that. Oh, okay, just all right. I should have picked. I should have picked different ones. Yeah, he's, he's a little young for Mortal Kombat. Yeah, that's he's not a, Mortal Kombat. That's Street oh. Fighter, dog. You're a little <laughs> old. <laughs> punch out, dog. Yeah. Oh no. Who's 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 yeah. young? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I did a cross-platform fight. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. I, 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 I applaud the effort. That's, yeah, yeah. I, I could actually yes. do a whole podcast on that. Maybe we should uh, do that sometime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just, just mythical fights. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> any, any. Um, all right, back to some music. What was your first ever gig? Uh, my first ever gig must have been playing in church, Catholic church, when I was like probably a junior in high school. I'm playing like second keyboard, um, getting paid maybe nothing. Um, that was probably it. Yeah. Like cool. the exchange of, well, I, like I said, if maybe I wasn't getting paid, but like, it was like a professional gig. It was not playing for somebody. It was like, no, do the, it among, you know, uh, alongside professionals. Right. Yeah. That right. was probably it. Nice. But my yeah. first gig was at a church too. Yeah. yeah. That right. makes sense. It's a logical path for many of us. Yeah. Um, and number seven, our old standby. Bacon. Yes, please. Perfect. Okay. That's... That's, that's good. I think that that's You're been ba- the unanimous yeah. answer. But but maybe a little overexposed at this point. Ed's been batting a thousand on on bacon yeah. questions. So if we've had a hundred percent success. This on podcast bacon. is proof that Californians still eat pork. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This podcast is brought to you by bacon. We I don't. Was, <laughs> I mean, I was bacon. I mean, I was bacon before bacon. So do you even know, bro? Didn't you name five of their albums? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the first album, Sir Francis. The first album was the best. Kevin or Sir Francis? Is there a Sir Francis Bacon? I'm thinking Sir Francis Drake. There's it's no Sir, Sir Francis, Francis Bacon. There is a there. There is a, there is a Francis Bacon. This is terrible. There is a Bacon in English history. What? No, I'm thinking of Lord Byron. But there is a Bacon. Dang it! There is a Bacon. No, there is M a bacon. bacon from Street Fighter Two. <laughs> right, exactly. Who would win between M Bison and M Bacon? <laughs> any, any. So, um, Bobby, in addition to this band, your 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 new CD, you've got a couple of other projects going on. You're the you're the organist for the Padres, and you play in a really cool group, uh, LA based group called Western Standard Time Ska Orchestra. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a really cool project. It's um. Kind of celebrating, I, I mean, not to get into a whole history of ska here, but the original ska musicians, um, there's different waves of ska. First wave, second wave, third wave. Okay, Third wave is what we all listen to in high school, like Save Ferris, and like you could call Sublime and no doubt part of that. Uh, that's the third wave of ska. Uh, the second wave of ska would be like English, like English beat and stuff. But this first wave, the original ska, is actually jazz musicians from Jamaica in the 60s listening to music that came over you know, the airwaves from New Orleans across the water and trying to like just kind of play backbeat kind of like swinging fats domino kind of style and it ended up morphing into this thing that's a ska so there's like it's played on upright bass and it it uh it swings it's got the shankung shankung and this thing kind of morphed and the offbeat became prominent this music later of course morphed into rock city and then reggae um yeah so you can trace it back through that but um the original ska musicians were all jazz musicians they all went to the same school in jamaica in kingston called um i think it was oh shoot the all boys school 
I forget the name of it off the top of my head, but yes, they all went to to the same school and they played this music. They were jazz musicians, and the original ska was just them like kind of playing these simple um, like simple chord progressions. And a lot of times, chord proge- progressions they were like contrafacts um, ripped off of other tunes, or they would not even they would be direct quotes. They would play like Ring of Fire and then call it like something else and. They never really got in trouble for doing that. If you don't copyright it in Jamaica, <laughs> you're good. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. Like, a lot of these tunes, you're like, and you get confused. You're like, wait, which one's that one? Like, oh, yeah, no, the Ring of Fire one is called, you know, called this. But they all, like, a lot of those melodies are ripped off. But anyway, yeah. so this project, Western Standard Time, um, is kind of like a tribute to that original band. It's called the Scottalites. Their band was called the Scottalites. And um, a couple of them are still alive today. Um, but most of them, you know, 10 years ago, most of them were alive, but they all kind of passed now. But um, this is kind of a tribute to them, but done, uh, taking that sound and then expanded to a big band format. Yeah, I was going to say, so it's a big band instrumentation. Yes, totally. And is it four, four trumpets? Um, I think it's four. Um, it might be five on a couple, but I think it's... I'm trying to picture. I think it's four. I didn't do any of the arranging. Um, all the yeah. arranging was done by my incredible lead alto player, who actually very tragically passed away last year. But um, uh, I think it's four trumpets. And Sean Billings, the guy who plays lead on Cali Native, he also plays lead in that um, project. And then my yeah. really good friend, uh, this guy named Aton Avenari, he plays second trumpet on half of the tunes on this record. And that's kind of his project. And he's one of my best friends. Like he was in my wedding and all this stuff. We both started working at this music store in LA at the same time, way back in like the late nineties. And so, um, he's the one that's responsible for exposing me to reggae, um, Jamaican music. And then this project, um, Western standard time, um, came about, maybe like six years ago when he was able to like execute on this dream of having a ska big band, like the best ska rhythm section, Corey Horn, uh, plays, uh, drums on it. And he's also on this record. Um, he's an incredible, you know, ska Jamaican music kind of drummer. And so it's a really great ska rhythm section. And then you've got like just all these killing horn players. And that's, yeah. that's the idea. Some of the top horn guys mm-hmm. in LA. I mean, great horn section and danny danny janklow on alto sax yeah another friend of the podcast yeah andy martin plays like trombone on a lot of it like why not you know he sounds great yeah and what's uh what's happening with the padres this season oh man you mean your next organ gig uh well my next organ gig i think is like september 2nd or 3rd um so with the padres gig just real quick like i play all the day games so that amounts to there's there's 81 home games and i play um you know, all the day games that amounts to about 20 to 25 a year. Um, so I'm there, the Sundays are day games. And then if ever there's a day game during the week, which sometimes there's not, sometimes there is then I play Oregon there too. So my next game, um, is probably, it's like early in September, maybe whichever that first Sunday is in September, maybe it's like the third, fourth or fifth, but, uh, whatever that Sunday is, that's, that's it. I don't know off the top of my head. You've been the organist for eight years now, right? Yeah, that's right. Good math. Yeah, I started in 2010, which is incredible to me to think that's been like, oh my gosh, eight years. It's 2017 now. But here we go. This is my eighth season doing this. And it's amazing that I've like survived this long. <laughs> you know, I hope that I can still do it. You know, as long as they'll have me, I, I love doing it. There's no gig like it. You know, it's yeah. a super unique kind of thing. How do you go about getting the getting the gig? Uh, it's a little combination of like right place, right time, luck and hustle. Um, luck in that, like I was doing a gig, uh, my first move back to town in 2010. Um, 
that January is when they were like they were looking for an organist. And my friend, you guys know Jason Littlefield, the bass player. Um, he's telling me, "Hey, uh, I think I heard the Padres might be looking for an organ player." And I was like, "What?" As soon as I heard that, I've I've been a huge Padres fan like my whole life. I'm like, "Dude, I want that gig." I'm like, I would love, I would kill that gig. I should have that gig. So uh, then uh, I ended up like being at this random th- event for the fans at Petco the CEO was speaking and he was talking about how they were going to maybe have organ at some games that year. And then, so after that meeting, I went right up to him and I gave him my card. I'm like, I don't know if you have an organ player yet, but I would love to do it. And so after that, I just hounded them mercilessly. I like sent him a demo tape, sent him a video of me playing. It was terrible. Like I watch it now. I'm like, Oh my gosh, awful. But, uh, yeah. So I like hustled him and I didn't hear back for like months and months, but then I finally like a couple weeks before the season, they're like, Hey, sorry, we've been busy, but we'd love you to come down and like, try this out and I did a little audition and I think the audition like I felt like it went really poorly um but uh I ended up hearing from them like yeah well we want you to do it so that was it did did you do your homework about the equipment did you get there and it's one of these big spaceship church organs with a million knobs and I don't even know what that stuff is right right it looks like the space shuttle in there you know yeah (laughs) yeah if they had had that I would have been like pretty screwed uh, no, actually, they didn't have anything. And so what part of the gig was like, we're going to need you to help us find something. Oh, okay. oh, wow. So I had to br- bring all my own equipment. So I hauled a bunch of stuff. And then they actually, I went through all these secret paths, this elevator. Next thing you know, like I'm in the control room and they plugged it. Like, let's plug it in the house. Why not? So I was playing in the bowl in the morning. You know? Wow. Yeah. So. Wow. It was pretty cool. And then when they yeah. bought when they bought equipment, you got to advise them, I need this organ. I went or... and found the organ for them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like but they're like, PS, we don't really have a budget. I'm like, Great. Well organs are not cheap. You're kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It sounds silly, <laughs> going but going to garage sales, you know. Yeah. Well, I went to I went to thrift stores and I looked on Craigslist and then I found this guy uh in San Marcos was like trying to sell this. It's a Yamaha uh, D80. It's this electone from the late 70s. Mm. And I'm like, this will do. And he just wanted a couple hundred bucks for it. I'm like, yeah, this will be, this will work. And so it's kind of a steal. Um, it's not like the most incredible instrument, but it gets the job done. And I run it through a little Leslie simulator. So it sounds like better than it actually nice. probably would sound direct. So yeah, it's got that quirky ballpark vibe. Is uh, This is a question I've always wanted to ask you. Is there kind of like a camaraderie or an affiliation between you and other MLB organ players? Is there Because it seems like that's such a, an odd like subset of people. There's only a few. <laughs> we have a secret society. It's called the uh, Society of... Oh, no, it's the Sports Organist... Um, oh, S- Sports Organist Network and Trade Association, or Sonata. Oh, yeah, it's clever. uh, yeah, it's one of I think the Angels um, organ player or the Ducks organ player um, like founded this little secret sa- Facebook group. So it's like, yeah, there's <laughs> I know some of the other major league baseball organ players, and then I know some of the like hockey ones. Um, but yes, there is a camaraderie uh, between some of us. Some of us maybe not as much, but uh, they don't all have uh, all the ballparks don't have organ. Just right. some of them do. Right. Um, but I I ended up now I'm like really good friends with. Uh, Red Sox organ player, this guy named Josh Cantor, and like I stayed at his house um, when I went to Boston a couple of years ago, and he got me into the game, and it's cool. You share this this link, and they end up being really cool people. He he's a um, he does it part time, and then the other thing he does is like he's actually works in the library, the music library at Harvard. So he's like, yeah, let's go check out Whoa. the. I went to work with him, and I'm like looking at these rad like Mozart scores and um, Leonard Bernstein's like actual 
thesis. Wow. You know? So they're all interesting people. And then uh, a couple weeks ago, the Nationals organ player, a guy named Matthew Van Hoos, came out and stayed with me for a day, he and his wife. It's just like you have friends, you know, and it's, it's amazing. They've all turned out to be cool people. Like, you know, you never know, like. Yeah, especially with keyboard players, they're shifty. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, but they're all shifty together, so we all understand each other. Yeah. So, yeah, there's for sure a camaraderie. Well, let's get back to some tunes off your record. And again, the record is called Cali Native, and it features absolute all-star selection of California musicians from L.A., Orange County, and, of course, San Diego. Um, but I think I think we're going to check out one more tune in a minute. And this one, well, we were talking a little bit before. This one features Tim Figg and Kevin Freebie. But tell tell our audience a little bit about these two maniacs. Yeah, and how you uh, how you came to play with them. Yeah, maniacs is a good word. Um, <laughs> they, uh, man, I they both crossed my paths. Like we were both part of the rhythm section. Like you know Gerard Nolan. Mm-hmm. You guys know Gerard. Yeah. Um, he's actually responsible for a lot of my like music career in San Diego because he got me on this church gig where I met Jason Littlefield and stuff. And right. Gerard's always been really great about like. Hey Bob, I th- hey Bob, I think you'd be great for this, you know. Yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, he was doing this gig with this is like sax quartet in town called the Saxations, and uh, we um, he was putting he was like kind of MDing this thing, and it's like it's like such a gnarly fun group like it's like these four female sax players, um, and he was putting like this rhythm section together, and so he calls me he's like hey would you be interested I'm like yeah sure, and then uh, I show up on at this like rehearsal and then there's this bass player I've never met who's like just talking like talk talk talking like this guy's like amusing and uh and then he plays his butt off we love you kevin yeah kevin i'm like dude this who is this guy no but he was like exactly my age i'm like where have you been all my life like in san diego like you're exactly my age and like we're totally have like so much in common and then this drummer i'm like this drummer's ridiculous who is he like tim fig right and i had never crossed paths with him before who knows why? It's just amazing how that happens. You're in the same town with someone for years, and then you never cross paths with them. I have that happen all yeah. the time. Yeah. It's like San Diego is a big city, but it's, it's not that big if you've lived here your whole life. Yeah. Right. Which I, I've been here my whole life, and every time, every time I meet someone I've never met, yeah. I'm like, how? Right. Well, there's a lot of different reasons. I mean, you could get into it, but I think that it's like you get in a sphere, and then the sphere may not cross-pollinate with another sphere yeah you know also people move to town young players come up you know all these all these kind of factors uh but anyway i was stoked to meet those two guys and then we for sure became fast friends and uh they uh kevin was like hey we've got this gig um at this cardiff seaside market um where it's like we'll just we're just gonna play for a couple hours like we won't make much money but it's on a saturday morning and he like sent me he's like i want to do these kind of tunes i'm like wow these tunes are awesome i've never learned like like things like humpty dumpty by chick korea um actual proof Mm. man these are hard songs but i better go to school on them you know so uh we have been doing this cardiff gig and that was probably geez probably three years ago if not more it's crazy oh and also paul castelluzzo uh, on guitar although he wasn't there at the beginning but then we brought him in and then we just play kind of the same repertoire of tunes like not right. a lot of tunes but um these kind of fusiony like jam uh th- throw down chops fest it's kind of a gig for us to like play like you wouldn't play if you were actually like self-respecting just like a chance to like just get our lock chops out you know right. like and try different things you know yeah. it's like hey let's let's play this tune like in this this style we all need gigs like that you know you can't you can do that on the bandstand but it's kind of nice to just have like a no holds barred kind of like 
you try something and it's like ridiculous like that was awful but oh well at least we tried it you, you know, got like, it out it feels like, good it's it's cathartic yeah totally and sometimes you stumble on cool things like we started like there's this one time where we we're like we always like end with giant steps and then like Paul Casaluzzo started playing it fully punk. He's like, and then we we're like, dude, this is amazing. Like we got kicked into it. Like we never would have done that. That would never would happen if we had that attitude. Anyway. So those guys, I wanted to write a tune for them. I know I'm speaking a lot, but, uh, I wanted to write a tune that would feature Kevin's like amazing facility on electric bass. And then Tim, um, and then I wanted to bring him together with this guy. This and I mentioned before, he's a guitar player named Jeff Snyder. He's an incredible guitar player in town. One of the most shredding guitar players in San Diego. That's not an exaggeration. Um, he's older. He's probably in his fifties, and uh, so he would have never crossed paths. And he's not a straight ahead, quote unquote, player. Um, he's like commercial player, but excellent commercial player like fusion licks he's like friends with alan holdsworth he repairs amps um he had a music store for years uh and then he plays he has a band called the soul persuaders uh which he's been in forever so you guys know that yeah he he co-led that band and that band's been around for like 20 30 years larry grano uh, yes does sing and play drums or just sings with them uh he plays drums sometimes yeah but uh actually michael gein plays drums and i it's like now rodney jones is playing uh drums for them but uh, and then horn players that we all know, some of them are on this record, like Doug Busen and then like um, uh, Chuck Phillips plays tenor. Um, and then, you know, they'll, and Brad Steinway uh, plays plays trumpet. So it's like kind of the older guys that like we would never, you might see them like on, on like a big band gig or something, but they're not the guys you you and I went to school with, you know, that type of thing. So uh, he's more from that generation. And, and But I've had the pleasure of playing with the Soul Persuaders and him in and like in different top 40 gigs and like he subbed at church. I'm like, gosh, Jeff is incredible. I want to write a tune for him. So I wrote this head. I started grooving on those two chords. I'm like, this is going to be perfect and then i started writing this head and then i was like I, I i don't know if like jeff really reads so so then i sent it to him like dude do you think you'll be able to like play this and he emails back in like five seconds yeah I'm like great <laughs> no problem okay yeah. cool and then you hear it uh as you know on this tune it's like you hear him play it it's like oh my gosh and and of course none of the guys in the session knew who he was either i mean kevin did but none of the, nobody else did and then they could watch him just take these solos and it's like <laughs> I love that. That's one of my favorite moments. Everybody being like, Scratch oh my God, in their who heads. is this bad dude? Uh, and then, of course, the other thing on this on this tune, movie Shredding specifically, um, I was like, well, I have Adam Schroeder here as well, who's burning Barry player. So why don't I write the head so that he can play it too? So it's this triple unison head of Barry sax and guitar and organ. Wow. Oh, why not? Nice. So that's that's the result was like movie shreddings. And then at the end, it like metrically modulates into like a funk jam. It's like, why not? You know? So so, so for this record, do you have a uh, something coming up in the fall, a CD release? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm ashamed to say that I don't have a date yet, but for sure I need to have a CD release. So I will be making a lot of noise about that when it happens. So hopefully in September sometime. If not, then early October. Um, we'll do something. I got to figure out where to have it. It's 22 musicians and I have to figure out if I'm going to have all 22 on there or what, you know? So there's some logistical challenges, but, um, it's got to go down in some way, shape or form. And when it does, I'll let you know my website or wherever. Yeah. And you can pick up this, by the way, everybody should go buy this record on bobbycressy.com. And that's where you can find out about the CD release and all your Padres gigs are listed there as well. Yep, right? I, list, I list all my gigs there. Uh, and it's B-O-B-B-Y-C-R-E-S-S-E-Y. A lot of people don't get that last E, but yeah. 
bobbycressy.com. All right, well, I think we're going to take it out with this tune from Bobby's new record, Cali Native, and the tune is called Moi Shredding. Mui, Mui, Mui Shreddings. Uh, yeah. The Not tune is called Mui yeah. Shreddings. Yes. Muay Thai Shreddings. <laughs> hey, Bobby, thanks so much for coming in and rapping with us. Totally, guys. Thanks, anytime. And we want you to come back uh, when w- anytime you have a new project or... You know, you just I want would to say to. hi. Yeah. I love you. Can, maybe Thanks for doing it. this. This is cool. We yeah. need this in San Diego. So. And, a, and a very happy belated birthday. Thank you. Yeah, it's 21. Feels so good. <laughs> All right, here we go. Mui Shreddings by Bobby Chris. <laughs> Listening to the San Diego Sessions podcast brought to you by Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. Please subscribe now on iTunes or listen online at dirtyboulevardrecording.com. Theme music composed by Ed Kornhauser, performed by Ed with Grant Fisher guitar, Harley Magzino bass, Ian Tordella saxophone, and Charles Weller drums. If you'd like to be a guest on San Diego Sessions, please contact us. All musical selections are used by permission of the artist. San Diego Sessions is engineered and produced by Ian Tordella at Dirty Boulevard Recording Company.